Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello everybody, welcome to a Wessex LMCs podcast. I'm Louise Greenwood, Director of Education and I'm talking to Sue Scott today. Hi Sue. Hiya. So you're here as one of our very experienced practice manager supporters and you went into a practice as a practice manager supporter because they were struggling and I know you ended up concentrating on the finance but is that really why you went in? Um, No, I went in because the practice did have some issues. They'd had a GP supporter in there and the GP supporter had felt that there may be some issues around the management of the practice um, and asked the LMC to send in a practice manager supporter to just look at the general running of the practice. It was quite a new partnership um, because the two previous retired partners had left. And so I think there was quite a bit of inexperience among the partnership itself. Um, they had a practice manager who was a long-term practice manager, had been there for 10 years. Um, and it was just really to go in and have a look at how the practice was being run and if I could make any recommendations to, to just make it more efficient, really. So okay. that was how it started. Right. So, so what alerted you to the fact that it was the finances that really needed particular help? Was there anything that was just like a red flag to you? There were several things, really. They asked me to, as part of the practice manager supporter role, to just have a look at the finances. And I had a look and they had about two, they, they, are, they were are a PMS practice. So they received their money in the middle of the month. Um, and this was about the 22nd of the month. And I had a look at the books and they had like £3,000 left in the bank. So I thought, okay, so I, I just innocently said, so where is your savings account then? And they said, oh, well, we don't have one. So I said, right, but it's the 22nd of the month and you've only got £3,000 left and you're not going to get paid again until the 15th of next month. How are you going to manage if you have a bill bill to come in? And they were kind of very naive and, well, we don't know. We just hope that we don't. So that made me think, well, if they're running the books in that way, then there must be more that I need to look at. So I think that that was how it really started. Okay, and as we say, you started as going in as a practitioner supporter, realised there was more work to do, so then I think they paid you for some extra sessions, didn't they? They did, yes. Yeah. So they, um, the, their practice manager left quite quickly afterwards, actually, and they asked me to go in um, and look, up, look at the finances and make some recommendations and look at some cost savings. Um, so I started to look at quite, a, quite thoroughly some of the things they were doing and there were some very bad practices that they they had been doing um, I realized that they hadn't claimed their childhood immunizations for three years and nobody seemed to know that that was an issue um, I checked back across their their claiming and their PPA claiming was all out as well. So I think normally, you know, if you if you look at a practice and you see that kind of financial problem, you know there are lots of other underlying things and it's not normally just one. So it was really a real investigation into exactly what was going on. They were spending an absolute fortune on doc mail for sending out letters and I couldn't work out why um so there were just lots of issues really that um that were clearly going on in the practice 
I mean, one of the issues for practice managers is they're always scared, and I know I was scared when I was a practice manager, that you're going to miss a claim. You're going to forget to do yeah. something or miss something. I mean, is there a template that you suggest people follow to making sure that they actually are claiming everything that they should? Uh, the LMC do do a, a really good template that you can just check across, um, you know, to say, okay, this is what we've got. I think if you look back at previous accounts and you can see if there are areas missing, interestingly, in this instance, the accountants had raised concern about where the immunisation payments were and had been told that it was all in the global sum. And because it was a PMS practice and that money disappeared around the start of the PMS contract review, the accountants thought, well, that must have been negotiated as part of the contract. And so weren't, they'd raised it, but they weren't overly concerned because they did get a response to say, no, it's in the global sum. So, so were, these, uh, were these specialist medical accountants? They were, yes. Okay, they were. so they, uh, and how much do you think you can use your accountants from, you know, from your practice? For I think you really rely on them you know I would always recommend if you're not sure your accountant if they're if they're one of the good accountants they will quite happily spend some time with you going through exactly what you should be looking for making sure that your accounts package is set up properly so that you can see if something is missing um, and you know if you use QuickBooks or Xero now they've all got templates within them and actually when you're putting your figures in if you're just copying the old template if suddenly something you were paid for was £5,000 last month and now it's only 150 it will make you ask those questions so you know a good accountant firm will give you the support because it's in their interest they are working for the partnership and it's in their interest to make sure that you're keeping the books correctly and not missing anything. Okay, so two tips so far is the, um, on our WSMC's website, we've got a good checklist that you can look for and also yeah. just engage your medical accountants. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other area, I guess, is staffing. Was that a big issue for you? What did, what did you look at on, in that? Um, um, yeah, my first thing that I noticed was the amount of overtime that was being claimed. So... Um, because they asked me to run the payroll as well. So I, I looked at the staffing and was shocked at the amount of overtime, which then led me on to look at why we were paying all this overtime. And then I realised that the sickness, um, the sickness reporting was out of control. There was no sickness policy in place. And previously, sickness hadn't even been recorded as anyone, you know, if you were off sick, it wasn't recorded anywhere. So there was no historical factors there to be able to measure against. So I worked with the partnership to address that and get a sickness policy in place as quickly as possible. Um, and to actually look at the overtime and why we why all of this overtime. So it was a lot of sickness, but there were lots of other things that, you know, if somebody went on holiday they completely replace the shift, which isn't always necessary. Sometimes you just need somebody to work another couple of hours rather than a whole six-hour shift. So, so we actually started to address all of those things as well. Um, 
Oh, and how, how unpopular was that, Sue? Because that's not an easy situation. People got, have got used to claiming the odd hour here and there, and that might be some nice holiday money for them later. Then they've got somebody new coming in challenging it. Was it quite a tricky situation? Um, it didn't really seem, feel that tricky. And I think the reason was that a lot of people were having pressure put on them to do overtime when they didn't particularly want to. And the reason they were doing overtime was because they knew that people were off sick and they were regularly taking two weeks off sick. So interestingly, they were quite happy for us to address the sickness because then it would stop that. There were a couple of instances where I, there were two members of staff, actually, who um, we, we put in a new sickness policy. So some of the contracts had... Um, 12 weeks full pay and 12 weeks half pay which in these days is a lot of sickness and so we we went into consultation with the staff and agreed that we would reduce it down to two weeks full pay and two weeks half pay but that we would have a proviso that we could um you know it would be negotiated if it was a particular issue and two staff really really took umbrage at that they wanted us to address the uh, sickness issue but they didn't want it to affect their ability to take sickness. They were two people who didn't go off sick, but it was quite interesting, actually, and that involved some quite long conversations. But in general, most people were very, very happy to not have the constant pressure of having overtime to do and of not having everybody going sick and being left stranded. And did you have some HR advice because, you know, where did you get the policy from and how did you know about the consultation process and how were you reassured you were doing it right and you wouldn't get yourself in hot water or the partner in hot water? Um, we did have, I, from my own practice, we had Peninsula. So I knew how Peninsula worked and I got advice from there. We used a sickness policy that was in circulation just on an employment law kind of um, website. So um, I worked with the HR partner. And I think the one thing about the practice was that the partners wanted to make the change. And sometimes that really helps. You know, you go to practices where they don't really want to make a change. But all of them wanted to make a change. And all of them had their own specific areas to look after. So I had a GP for finance, a GP for HR, a GP for general day-to-day and then a GP for the performance and the quaff. So actually I could go to each one of them individually about the area that I was concerned about and they were working with me. So that's great. So we've looked at sort of the claims, we've looked at the staffing and you've now started talking about sort of how the practice worked. Did you, I mean, obviously this is, we're particularly focusing on the finance. Did you have to employ a bookkeeper or did you, would you recommend getting somebody else from the practice managers, just as a part of the practice manager, to help on the books? Or is practice manager plus a finance partner going to be enough? Or did you have any feeling? Um, I, think, I think it was enough. The, the GP who was responsible for finance was very involved in it and knew exactly what was going on. So that was a help. I think... If I hadn't have had that, I would have probably got a bookkeeper in. I didn't. I just managed it. But then that was because I knew I wasn't staying long term. They are now, um, their new practice manager is in place and she is now going to employ a bookkeeper just to do all of that. And I do think it helps because if you've got two heads and something's missing, 
it's much easier if somebody else comes to you and says, oh, this is not quite right and I'm not quite sure what's going on here. Whereas mm-hmm. when it's all falling on you, it's very easy on a busy day to just miss something. Yeah, yeah. And were there any other areas? I mean, was there anything sort of about premises or, you know, phone bills or was there anything else utility-wise that you've managed to spot that actually there wasn't, wasn't being as efficient financially as it might have been? There were quite a few things. They were paying, they were paying maintenance contracts, which some of them were absolutely shocking prices. They were paying £900 a month for a company to look after the lighting and test the water um you know which actually most practices you have somebody who tests your water for legionella and you just have the the six monthly review so i ended that contract very contract very quickly (laughs) um their postage they were buying stamps so we got them a franklin machine and and that reduced their postage down um there were just lots of little bits and pieces that were being paid out you know they were paying two alarm companies uh, goodness knows how that had happened but they were paying two alarm companies um they were they were paying really extortionate prices for toners so you know we put them back onto surgery network and they that we reduced that cost so there were lots of very quick wins that we could that we could initiate and i think that's helpful when it's a practice that's in such a mess really so how much time, so assuming obviously that there are, there are particularly difficult issues there, but if you've got what you think is pretty well, a well running practice, how much time do you think as an experienced practice manager you should put into looking at the finance and looking at, you know, direct debits coming in and that sort of thing? Have you got any idea of feeling it should it be half your time? Should it be a quarter of your time? Is it a monthly thing that you focus on? Do you have any advice on that front? I think, I think you do need to keep on top of it weekly. Because I think, you know, it's very easy to forget exactly what's going through. I mean, I'm, I'm quite fastidious, so I do record. If I spend any money, I record it on my accounting package and file it away just so that I know I've done that. So I probably spend about three hours a week in general mm-hmm. doing finance. And then I have payroll on top of that as well. And there is the option to outsource your payroll. So they talked about outsourcing the payroll. But actually... I think it swings and roundabouts. If you outsource it, you still have to do an awful lot of the work of filling in the spreadsheets for the outsourcing company anyway. Um, and so to my mind, I would rather they save that money and then I would just do it. They have, now the new practice manager is in, they have talked about it and she's also decided that she would rather do it herself and not outsource it because you can spend just the same amount of time putting the data on the spreadsheet as you do putting it into the payroll software yeah because the thinking you still have to do the thinking and the working yeah. out whether this is a legitimate claim this is the yeah. yeah this is legitimate yeah. overtime or not yeah. um, that no, no outsourcing um, of payroll no. is going to sort that for you are they no, no. Okay. and when when it comes back you then have to check it and i had used the outsourcing service at another practice that i worked at and they made quite a few errors so I was a bit sceptical, but I, I know other people who've had a really good experience of it. So I think it's just, you know, for me, it, with that situation, I wanted to be in control of everything until I got it all sorted out and level. And one of the first things that I did get them to do was I sent their finance partner down to the bank to open up a savings account. 
and then I started to move money regularly into that savings account. One of the other things they were doing was um, they were paying the staff. So the PMS money came in on the 15th, but they were paying all of the staff on the 16th. And so I did point out to them that they were paying all of their staff two weeks in advance and they were paying the partners uh, a month in arrears. And when I pointed that out, that changed very quickly. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, <laughs> is there anything else, Sue, it's been really helpful to get some very practical hands-on tips. Is there anything else that you think you would advise any practice managers? Because it's a source of real nervousness amongst a lot of practice managers. Um, and we are, um, by the way, putting on some more training sessions in this area because we just know it's an area of lack of confidence as well as anything else for practice managers. Any other top tips you'd like to pass on, Sue? I just think if, you, if you're not sure, don't be afraid to ask. The PM supporters will come in and do a, a, you know, a session of finance with you and just go through everything. The, the trouble is with the finance, it is so complicated. Um, and you really need to make sure that you've got it right. Mm. And you, know, you, can, you can just draw up a list of questions and ping it over to one of us. And we will either come in and go through things with you or talk to you on the phone about it or can just have a look at it. And everyone is very protective of their finance, which is absolutely fine. And I understand that. But you won't be so protective if you are making a mistake. And actually, I think it would be better if you realised what that mistake was and could address it. Because all of the things, if you don't claim, there is a finite timeline that you can claim in and if you miss that as they did with their immunizations you know they lost a lot of money because the rules had changed in the meantime um you know we did take it to appeal but we didn't win the appeal because actually they had had several reminders which hadn't been actioned that's brilliant sue thank you um i think um you might well get a few emails after this of people sending <laughs> in their list of queries of, of, of finance um and i think that so that would be really helpful to, for practice managers to know. They can contact one of the practice manager supporters, send a list of questions. You'll go out for an afternoon or obviously do it over Zoom or, or Teams if that's easier in, in COVID times. Um, but everything that you do is confidential. Um, yeah. So nobody needs to worry that anything the practice managers are saying to you will go any further at all. No. Um, and, um, and I think that could be a you know, really practical way of people getting some help and some reassurance um, because I think what you're saying is really important, as you say, if, if you've missed the claims and you've missed the deadline, then you, you know, sometimes you can't get it back. Sometimes you can, but sometimes you can't. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's been so helpful. Thank you so much, Sue. I really appreciate talking to you and um, hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice. <laughs>